Pastor Marcus, uh, he is a great friend. He's an amazing worshiper and uh, just love this guy. And uh, so uh, just a fun guy to, uh, to just go alongside. Like we, we have so much fun just um, spending time together, just talking about the word. We do it for hours and it's, it's so much fun just praying, talking about the word. So you guys are blessed this morning as Marcus just has, and everything just so comes out of his heart. Uh, if, if you, as you get to know this guy, if you don't know Marcus, you need to know Marcus. <laughs> so all of you should send him an email and say you want to go out to lunch with him. So with that, <laughs> I love you. I love it. That is awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you guys. I love our family here at The Rock. I really do. Our roots are going deep in this community and I'm just so blessed as a husband I almost said as a wife. <laughs> oh, okay, as a husband, as friends, uh, I'm just, we're, my family is so blessed to be here. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to hear his word. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. Oh, you're so wonderful. There's no one like you in all the earth. We've never seen anyone as loving, as compassionate. We've never seen justice and truth as you reveal it. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. and Your word is a sword that comes from your mouth. And so we ask you, Lord, to cut off the callous of our heart this morning. Cut off the callous of our heart. This morning, where life and the mundaneness of life, the pressures of life, the busyness of life just wages a war on our heart to not hear your voice. Jesus, right now, cut it off by the power of your word. We ask you for soft hearts right now, the hearts that are good soil, to receive your word and produce glory for you in this earth. Oh, God, we thank you and we put our trust in you this morning. Mm. Amen, amen. Well, I kind of feel that I, I, there's just such an alignment this morning with what I've been studying, with what uh, the Lord's been speaking to me, with what the Lord's been speaking to our congregation this morning. I mean, that vision, young lady, that is right on, okay? Young people, God speaks to you. We need your voice in this congregation. This isn't just for us old men to get up and I'm kind of, I'm like middle of the road. I'm not going to claim old yet. Though my face keeps showing it like day after day. I'm like, where did that wrinkle come from? Like that just like sticks out of my eyebrow. What is happening here? But we need your voice. I was 12 years old when I began to cultivate what does it mean to hear the Lord? What is it? And I was so confused in the Word of God. I was just confused. But I said, Lord, if you speak to them, you can speak to me. If you've led them, you can lead me. So position yourself before the Lord, and we want to hear your voice. Amen? Amen. And, and what she shared, man, the light 
that is ours, what Mike shared, the hope of glory on the inside of us, what Tracy shared, that what we gaze upon is what we graze upon. Like, this is all, like, everything I'm talking about this morning. I'm like, well, we can just worship. Because <laughs> it's all, in fact, worship team, no, I'm just playing. Um, I'm just so encouraged by how the Holy Spirit does that. That's called a spirit of revelation resting in our midst. There really is. There's a spirit of revelation here this morning, and he is the Holy Spirit. And he's pulling back the veil on what Jesus is saying to us as we go from community to family. Amen? So, let's jump in. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and 3, and a little bit of 4, and I'll just... It's really two through six, but I'm, I'm just going to touch on points, but we'll be following along with chapters two and three in our Bibles. And um, Mike brought us such a wonderful word about four weeks ago from Second Corinthians chapter five, that love compels us, that love like pushes us, that it beckons us because Jesus died for us. Therefore, we can now have freedom and we don't have to live for ourselves any longer, but we get to live for him. We don't have to be the slave to ourselves, the slave to our sin, but we can be slaves to righteousness. I love that meditation that that the Holy Spirit can enslave me and bond me to righteousness to light, to truth, to love, to peace, to hope, to thanksgiving. How many of you guys have experienced the, the pleasures of righteousness? Raise your hands. You might not have been experiencing it now, but if you have experienced before in your life the pleasure of walking right with the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. Like as you raise your hand, you kind of have that feeling of like, why don't I live like this all the time, right? And we can. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, we're going to begin. Paul says, but thanks be to God, who, is, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Now, if you know Paul's life, that always leads us in triumphal procession. That had some valleys in it, didn't it? That had some persecutions in it, didn't it? How many of you guys are being led in triumphal procession? And you're here this morning, but you've gone through some fights, right? You've had some woundings. You've had those arrows make it around that shield of faith because you didn't have it up, and, and they stuck, right? And the Lord has helped you pull those out. Maybe some of you guys need help this morning pulling out some of those arrows. But we can agree with Paul. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession. Guys, it's, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, or 1 Corinthians chapter 10, through every temptation, he provides a way of escape. Through every testing, he provides grace to go through the testing. 
And we can always be led in triumphal procession. And then he says this, verse 15, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So right now, you're amongst some who are being saved. Their fellow believers are on this journey of salvation. They've confessed with their mouth. They've believed in their heart. And now God, through the Holy Spirit, is working within them and bringing us into maturity, as we've been talking about. But you're also among those who are perishing. How many of you work alongside some that are perishing? How many of you have family members? You're alongside some that are perishing. That's our context. But guys, guess what? In that context, do you know who you are? You're a pleasing aroma to God. You're the aroma of his son. This is the picture in the tabernacle. They would have an altar of incense, and it would be right outside the Holy of Holies, and they would kindle incense on it every morning and every evening, and it would slowly burn and waft through that veil into the presence of the Lord, and it represented the prayers of his people. Guess what? When Jesus speaks to God, God hears him. Guess what? When you speak to God, God hears his son. Isn't that wonderful? God hears Jesus. Co-heirs, fellow heirs, brothers to Jesus. We're in the family, and he hears Jesus. Does Jesus' prayers get answered? Yes. Are your prayers going to get answered? Yes. Is Jesus a faithful intercessor at the right hand of his Father? Yes. Are you called to be a faithful intercessor, bringing forth the will of God in the earth from heaven, breaking in? Say, amen. We are. Paul goes on. Verse 16. To one, we're a fragrance from death to death. And to the other, we're a fragrance of life to life. To the perishing, to those who don't receive, we are a reminder that a judgment is coming. We are a reminder that there is a way of escape, but if they reject it, there is a second death that they will partake of. Guys, we do have to hold this line of the second death in this age. It is the most uncomfortable theology to hold, but we have to hold that line. An unbeliever will live one time, they will die twice. They will have a natural death, and they will have a second death, Revelation 20 and 21 tells us. But guess what? The believer will die once, and we get to live twice. We get to live now before the Lord, and when we pass away, we're present with God. That's what he says in chapter 5. He says, when we pass and we are removed from this earthly tent and this earthly tent is destroyed, we have an eternal home with the Lord. And we have a resurrection. It says in verse 20, uh, chapter 20 of Revelation, blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection for the second death has no power over them and they will reign with Christ for a thousand years. Hallelujah. Yeah, we can clap for that. That's our home. That's our destiny. Let's go on. Chapter 3. 
So we're an aroma of Christ. We're life to some. We're death to others. And we're also living epistles. This is what Paul says. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Paul's pointing to the new covenant that they're walking in right now. In Hebrews 8, the the, the writer of Hebrews reminds us of the words of Jeremiah that, oh, a day was going to come when God was going to write the law on their minds and he was going to write it on their hearts. And it says, no one would say, help us to know God, for they would all be walking in the knowledge and intimacy with God. That's what it says in Jeremiah. Now that day is coming. That's the future of the new covenant. But we are living in the new covenant now where the Holy Spirit can write on our hearts God's love. And Paul says it in such a way that you are a living letter from Christ. You are the Bible. That's what he says. You are the the written word of God to those you are walking with. Now, how many of you are living, how many of you are living a life where someone would know the word just by talking to you, just by watching your life, just by seeing how you love, by seeing how you treat people? Would someone know 1 Corinthians 13, that love bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things by walking alongside of you? Would someone know that Jesus is returning and that there is another age coming that you're placing all of your hope in? Would someone have experienced the book of Acts just by walking alongside of you? Everyone's convicted right now, right? Because I'm like super convicted, okay? I'm like, oh, don't say that one, don't say that one. But that's what Paul says that, that the Corinthian church was in the city of Corinth. You are a living love letter from Jesus to that city. And the Holy Spirit has written on your heart. Amen? Paul says this, he goes on. Verse five, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. He's saying, we didn't do this in you, Church of Corinth. You aren't a living love letter from Jesus because of us. We were faithful to deliver his words, but it's the Holy Spirit who does it. I love Paul every time he talks about his ministry. He's very quick to say, oh, but the power doesn't come from me. Oh, but this isn't from me, it's from the Lord. Just in these four chapters, he says in four or five, he says, we don't talk about ourselves, but we proclaim Jesus. How many of you, how many of us could do a little better about that? Just not talking about ourselves. Sometimes that's my greatest deliverance from a bad day. Did you know that? I just refuse to confess it. And I go, let's talk about Jesus. I want to get into his word. I want to speak of him. I want to speak of the truth. I don't want to speak of the lies that I've dealt with. I don't want to even give them attention. My wife will call me out on this. Husbands, you guys get this? Your mouth is running and your wife says, maybe you shouldn't be talking about this right now. (laughs) 
Actually, Rachel and I made a commitment early on in our marriage to help us guard our tongues. And when we started to stir up those fleshly passions or when we started to stir up the pride or when we started to stir up the unforgiveness by our tongues, we gave each other permission to go, Nat, we've learned to do this well and we've done this bad, but we gave each other permission to go, honey, maybe you shouldn't talk about this right now. Maybe you should be silent and speak about this to the Lord so that this doesn't stir up that old man that you're trying to get rid of. Amen? A lot of the time we put on that old man just by talking about it. Paul says, I don't talk about myself. I talk about Jesus. Oh, he's so much better to talk about, guys. Oh, he's so wonderful. <sighs> Sorry. And he says, and if we speak about ourselves, we speak of ourselves in that we are your bondservants. We are yoked to you to serve and to bring out the callings of God in you, Church of Corinth. Oh, we could go on and on. Let's keep going. End of verse 5. But our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Paul says, God is empowering me to be a minister, to be a servant. Okay? We hear that word minister, and we think of someone in full-time vocational ministry. No. We are servants of the new covenant. And how do we get this power? It's from the Holy Spirit. Where does this power come from? It's from God who makes us sufficient. It's from God who justifies us. It's from God who cleanses us from our sins. It's from God that we're connected to that branch in the vine that the life flows from. And we are servants of a new covenant. Paul carries this thought into chapter 5 as Mike took us there about four weeks ago in such a beautiful way that we're ambassadors of God. We're ambassadors of heaven. Where we walk, heaven takes ground. Did you know that? If you're an ambassador of America and you step into another nation, wherever you are is America, America, America. Did you know wherever you walk is heaven, heaven, heaven? That's it, guys. He says, you're an ambassador. And... You get to partner with Jesus in being a reconciler. He reconciled you, and you get the ministry of reconciliation to give it to others. How many of you have been convicted in the last five weeks? Oh, maybe I'm not walking as a minister of re reconciliation like I should be. Raise your hand. I am. Sorry, I'm not raise your hand. Those that are being convicted. I'm being convicted. When was <laughs> Christy stop it? <laughs> when was the last time? <laughs> Never mind. All right, here we go. Our sufficiency comes from God. We're ambassadors. We're ministers of reconciliation. And Paul opens up this whole thought in that phrase: "We are servants of the new covenant. We're servants of a new covenant, guys. This new covenant is glorious. It's of the Spirit." And the Spirit gives life. It's a life-giving covenant that we're walking in. Did you know that? Let's go on. 
Let's go to verse 9. For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Now, Paul's starting to reference the old covenant here, okay? That ministry of condemnation, he's referencing the old covenant given to Moses, who that did a good job in revealing people's unrighteousness, but there's a covenant of righteousness that far exceeds the condemnation covenant. And we get to experience the righteousness of God. Let's go on, verse 10. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. Again, old covenant has no glory at all now. Why? New covenant, glory surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, Paul's like saying, it was pretty glorious, guys. I mean, book of Exodus? Plagues delivering a people? God coming down with fire and protecting Israel as they waited for the wind to part the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts. They go through, swallows up an army. This is wonderful stuff, right? They are led to a mountain. The whole top of the mountain is consumed with the glory of God, like fire and smoke coming from it. God shouts down, hey, 70 elders and Moses and Aaron, come on up. I want to eat a meal with you. And they eat with God on a beautiful sapphire sea. You know, that was heaven coming down. You know, that same sapphire sea is in Revelation 4 and 5. They ate with God on the sapphire sea. And then God calls Moses a little higher. Moses goes and spends 40 days with God on a mountain, comes back down, breaks tablets, makes people repent, goes back up. I mean, guys, this is pretty cool, right? Paul says this, for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Much more in the new covenant will, hit, will its glory be permanent. Now Paul continues this flow of thought of the glory fading away. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. I'm, I'm thinking of Paul as that Jewish minister going, guys, I had some boldness in the old covenant. I had enough to like kill Christians. I had enough to kill, take another man's life. Oh, but in the new covenant, I've become very bold. He says this, I'm not bold like Moses. Moses had to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Now, here's what happened. After the rebellion, after the worship of the golden calf, after like Israel's, oh, moment, you know, every part of their history, you know, they're like, oh, that had to get written down. We had to do that. How many of you guys have some of those moments in your life that you just look back on and you're just like, oh, those years were wasted? Praise God, we serve a God that redeems the time, right? Amen. So, 
after the rebellion, Moses goes back up, spends some more time with the Lord, comes back down, Exodus 34, and his face is glowing with the glory of God. So much so that Aaron and his brothers go, ah! They really, they were scared of him. I'd be scared. Mike comes in out of a time of prayer, looks up, his face is shining right now. Everyone would be, ah! You know, like, what's happening? He comes down, and he gives the words of God with that glowing face to the children of Israel. And it says, after he gives the word, he would put a veil on. Why? Because the glory would start to fade. The glory would start to leave his face. And then, when God would call him to the tent of meeting, he would take the veil off. He would go and meet with God. He'd come out. His face would be shining, and he'd speak again to the people of Israel. And as the glory would fade, he'd put the veil back on. Paul is saying, we get to be very bold because the glory of the new covenant, it's permanent. It's not fading away. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Verse 14. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because it can only be taken away through Jesus Christ. To this day, when a Hasidic Jew, to this day, I, I, there's such a small number of Messianic Jews, of believing Jews in Israel. I had a privilege years ago to, to, to take a trip there and minister there and spend some time there. We actually led worship at one of the, it was, it was the largest known young adult uh, uh, worship gathering that had ever been in Israel of young believers that were Jewish. It was a, it was a historic time. And I got to be there. And, and what they have to walk in, what they have to suffer, because they suffer from their brethren reading the Old Covenant and that veil that was on Moses' face so they couldn't see the glory departing his face they still lies over the old covenant for them. They can't see that the glory has departed from the old covenant and the new covenant has been ushered in by Jesus. Let's keep going. Yes, verse 15. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Now, I misspoke. The veil doesn't lie over the Old Testament. The veil lies over the one who is reading the Old Testament. It's over their heart. Okay? Now, this veil isn't just over the Jewish nation. This veil is over the nations of the earth. Did you guys know that? It's a veil, and it hides the glory of Jesus. It's a demonic, oppressive darkness that longs to suppress the light of Jesus. But guess what? The light has come. He's a light. He's the light of the world. To a people walking in darkness, it said, they've seen a great light. Think about being in Galilee for those three years and seeing that light come forth, the new covenant, the Messiah, ushering in the kingdom of God, ushering in. Oof, gets me excited. Okay, 
So a veil lies over their heart. Verse 16, here it is. Oh, but guys, when one turns to the Lord, what? The veil's removed. Verse 16, when one turns to the Lord, say it, the veil's removed. The veil is taken away. Why? Because I'm looking here. I'm trying to see glory, but there's a veil over Moses' face, over the old covenant. I can't see the glory that's passed away. But when I turn to the Lord, why is the veil removed? There's no veil over Jesus' face. He has the shining face of glory. Moses was a prototype. Not a prototype. He was a picture, but he wasn't a full picture. There is one prophet who is Jesus, who is the Son of God, and he has been given the glory of God for all time. And this glory is not fading away. It's permanent. When we turn to him, we see his glory. When we turn to him, we behold his glory. Oh, guys, this was just wrecking me. I was thinking, Lord, I want to turn to you. I want to behold your glory. I want that. I mean, Paul is remembering Damascus Road experience when he saw the light for the first time. Guys, I think that light just wasn't a physical light. I think it did something to Paul. I think it caused him to cry out, Lord. And he heard the voice. I think of John on the island of Patmos, and he turns around and he sees Jesus. Jesus is speaking to him with the voice of a trumpet, with a voice like many waters. And what does he see? His face shining like the sun in the fullness of its strength. I think John remembered when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. What a sweet thing for Jesus to do that to John, you know? John was the one that went up in Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Jesus is transfigured into his glorious state, and his face, again, is shining like the sun. And the cloud comes over, and the Father speaks, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. They hit the deck, which I would too. I would, Get down! <laughs> There's glory! <laughs> they hit the deck, and John hit the deck in Revelation chapter 1 as well. And do you know Jesus did the same thing both times? He put his hand on him and said, do not fear. Isn't that beautiful? John says, he's an old man. He's in his 90s probably. He hits the deck again. Jesus comes over. Do not fear, John. And now he says, I'm the Alpha. I'm the Omega. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. And guess what? I'm still your friend. He doesn't say that in Revelation chapter 1. But I think John felt that intense love coming from the light of his face, coming from the fire that was in his eyes. John, it's me. It's me again. Guys, when we turn to the Lord and behold that glory, Paul is going to tell us it changes us. It transforms us. The permanent glory of the new covenant, when we gaze upon Jesus, it changes us. Our young lady down here, what's your name again? Young Lexi, that's right, that's right. Lexi said it. She stole my thunder. She, she preached my 2 Corinthians 4, 6 that I'm getting to right now. No, I'm just kidding. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, he says, 
For the God who let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts, right? To reveal the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Christ. So guys, when we talk about Damascus Road experience with Paul, when we talk about transfiguration experience on that mountain with Peter, James, and John, when we talk about Revelation chapter 1 and John turning on the island of Patmos, and we all go, man, I wish I could have that. Guess what? You can. He's dwelling in your heart, the hope of glory. You can turn to him and talk to him right now. You could stop listening to me and just talk to him. And that would be way better. <laughs> uh, you would sow your time into a better, you know what I'm trying to say. Okay. Let's go on. Oh, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Guys, this is not a one-time thing. Did you know that? We give, we are ministers in the new covenant, and we give that gift through our words to those who don't know that they can turn to the Lord and the veil is removed and they can be transformed into his image. But guys, this is not a one-time experience. It's an ever-turning. It's a John 15 abiding. It's not turning away again and turning. It's staying face to face. It's Tracy. What we gaze upon is what? What we graze upon. I love that line. I'm stealing it from now on. Tracy, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. We do. We're transformed by his words. We stay gazing. We stay connected. Paul says in verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit. So the Lord, whom we turn to, it's the Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's freedom. One of the best verses in the whole Bible. What does it give you freedom to do? It's freedom to see. It's freedom to behold the glory of the new covenant. That's what the Holy Spirit's about. It's freedom to be delivered by the glory that is in his face. It's freedom to be transformed. It's freedom to be changed. It's freedom to live from your heart, the covenant being written on your heart, so that you actually get to do what you want to do. You know, it's not freedom to constantly have to do what you don't want to do. That's a terrible way to live the Christian life. And I've been guilty of that, and all of us have been guilty of that, right? You know what freedom is? When the Holy Spirit writes the desires of God on your heart and you begin to, from your heart, do what you want to be doing. That's freedom. And that's what we can have. That's, that's ours. We get that. Have you ever experienced that? You want, like you wake up and you're like, oh, I, I want to go to that worship service. That's freedom. Oh, you know what? I want to go to that prayer meeting. That's freedom. You know what? I, I'm scared right now. There's fear. I don't want to talk about Jesus, but I do want to talk about Jesus right now. That's freedom to do what you want to be doing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's where that freedom will be. Where's the Spirit of the Lord dwelling? He's dwelling inside of you. Talk to him about that freedom. Say, Holy Spirit, I want to be free 
to love Jesus from my heart, not to have to read my Bible. I want the, the, the desire that you have for my transformation to, to go to the Word every day. I want that desire in prayer. I want that desire in evangelism. I want that desire in worship. Let's go on. Let's move on. Verse 18. Oh, this is glorious. Now Paul, now remember, Moses came down from the mountain. One man. Not a whole nation. One man came down from a mountain with a glowing face. One man would take off a veil and go into the tent of meeting. Now Joshua, he was a smart one. He would wait outside the door. <laughs> he would get familiar with the voice. I guarantee he could hear the voice that was speaking because the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Can you overhear a conversation if I'm speaking to a friend? Oh my goodness, Joshua had a great idea. I'm gonna get familiar with his voice. I'm gonna wait outside. But one man went into the tent. One man got to behold the glory. One man got to experience that glory coming back upon him. And one man got to be the messenger. Listen to this. Verse 18. And we all, everyone, anyone, it doesn't matter race, it doesn't matter nationality, it doesn't matter economic status, it's not the rich, it's everyone. We all, listen, with what? With unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Guys, the gift of Moses being given, taking off that veil and going in the tent of meeting and encountering Jesus as a man speaks to a friend. Jesus says, now I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. He says, I'm knocking. Revelation chapter three. Anyone, anyone who hears me and opens his heart to me, I will come in and I will dine with him and he with me. And we all with unveiled face. Guys, God shows no partiality. This is a wonderful theology. This is a wonderful part of his character. He's open to all. It's whoever's hungry. It's whoever's thirsty. Again, whoever. This could have been you five years ago. This could have been you yesterday. Renew your commitment that this is going to be you today. I am going to go into that tent of meeting. Now, does it look like fire like on a tent of meeting? No. It looks like you're sitting at a coffee shop with your Bible open. It looks like you're driving on the road and you're just talking with the Lord. It looks like the 5 a.m. It looks like the worship service. We have to remember the glory of what is happening on the inside of us even when we don't, even when it feels a little mundane and it sometimes feels a little dry. That's called we walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? Let's keep going. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are what? Are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. So when we enter that tent of meeting, 
when we enter that time of prayer, there's transforming glory. Who are we transformed into? The same image we're gazing on. Who is that image that we're gazing on? Put up chapter 4, verse 6. Again, little Lexi, she stole my thunder. I love it. The Holy Spirit was speaking to her. She's like, I found a verse. That was the Lord connecting those two things. This was spoken at the very beginning of our service. Who are we gazing on? Verse 6, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We're gazing on the face of Christ. Where is this at? Where is this taking place? It's in our heart. It's in our inner man by the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowledge of God is being revealed. Intimate encounters with the glory of God are ours for the taking. Who's going to turn and gaze? We're going to be transformed into his image if we do. Being transformed into his image is going into the harvest fields for their white. Being transformed into his image is being that living epistle. Being transformed into his image is being that fragrance of life. That's where the Lord is calling us into this season. It is the harvest season. Being transformed into his image is feeling the love and the compassion that the Father has for the lost rather than kind of the selfishness and the fear that you have about talking about him. Now, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to myself, okay? But, guys, transformed into his image. And who's doing this inside of us? Verse 18, the very end of verse 18 says, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. says it in 17. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord is the Spirit. The Spirit is the Lord. It's this Trinitarian language. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you to reveal the glory of Jesus from his face. And guess what? There's no veil on that face. Chapter 4, verse 1. <laughs> Paul says this, I love this. I love how he applies this. He says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God. That's the, minist that's the ministry of the new covenant. That's the ministry of preaching about Jesus. But it's also the ministry of constantly turning to the glory of Jesus and being transformed. Paul says, therefore, having this ministry, again, he says, by the mercy of God, not by anything that I did, by God's mercy. I was feeling that over there as I was pacing during worship. Your mercy, your mercy has opened to us such a wonderful inheritance, such a door we get to walk through. Your mercy has given this to us. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Paul mentions this a few times in the next chapter. He says, I don't lose heart. In chapter 4, he says, though my outward man is perishing. He kind of puts it in another context. He's getting a little older in the faith. He's had some persecutions. Though my outward man is perishing, and though I've denied myself for your sake, and you've experienced the life of God, he's like, I'm not losing heart. Why? Because my inward man is being renewed day by day. We can have this renewal. What? 
day by day. Sometimes we don't get it in the moment. I was driving the other day and I just wasn't feeling the Lord and my heart was a little hard and I was mad at a situation and I just was like, and I just prayed, Lord, soften my heart. Soften my heart. Don't let me grow hard. Soften my heart. And I didn't feel any softening. (laughs) Nothing happened. But the next day, we're in our pastor's prayer meeting and the spirit of the Lord moves on my heart and I begin just to weep and I feel grace inside of me for the things I, and I felt the Lord softening my heart. A lot of the times, that's what happens. What goes up is gonna come down. It just doesn't happen right when you ask it. I experience that with fasting a lot. I'll fast, but I wanna experience the breakthrough for like another three months. We experience that in our giving, right? We sow, but we don't experience right away. Sometimes we do, and that's a lot of fun. And then you're like, I'm gonna sow again! And it doesn't come back like the same, like fast, you know, way. <laughs> well, at least I try. <laughs> But guys, we don't lose heart. And it's this ministry that causes us not to lose heart. Amen? Let's stand. I'm going to have the ministry teams come down. Thank you, faithful ministry teams who come and pray. Guys, just thank the Lord for our ministry teams, okay? Who come and pray, who give of their time. They're praying in the back room beforehand. If you want to be a part of the ministry team, talk to this lady right here because we need you. But I just, in closing, one thing I want to say is if you have never experienced Jesus If you don't know anything that I've been talking about of being transformed by his glory, if you haven't seen him for who he is, he's actually beckoning you. He's calling you today. He says, come to my living waters and drink. He says, stop spending your money on things that are not gonna satisfy you and come to me for satisfaction. He says, Anyone, anyone who desires can come to the waters of life and drink freely. And you know what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit is going to live on the inside of you. You know what's going to happen? It's going to be like living waters flowing from you, refreshing you every single day. So if that's you and you want to encounter Jesus, I just want to ask you to come down and give your life to him right now. If that's anyone in this room, come down and give your life to Jesus. And the other thing I want to pray for today is if you need, if you're losing heart, if you need a refreshing in two ways. One, if you're losing heart in that you are an actual ambassador of God, you're an actual minister of reconciliation, you're an actual minister of the new covenant, you're you're just like I've given up I've given up on any experience I'm not going to evangelize I'm not doing this I've given up I've heard about it for too long I've never done it I've given up if that's you I ask you to to come down here and receive prayer and that the Lord would strengthen your heart again and then the third thing is if you've lived if you've lost heart in turning to Jesus in your personal life and being transformed in a daily way 
in the place of prayer. I want you to come down and receive prayer. I'm going to pray over us, and we're going to be dismissed. But in this, we're going to keep this uh, sanctuary as a, as a, we're going to keep it a holy place, a place of prayer for those who are praying at the altar, okay? And I'll just ask us to take our conversations out to the foyer. We love you guys. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just ask that you, Holy Spirit, we just say, come. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. Holy Spirit, transform us into the image of his, of Jesus. Release the glory in our inner man. Release the glory in our congregation. Release the glory in our city. Release glory in our nation. Release the new covenant glory that you purchased by your blood and you've given us access to walk in. Release it. Pour it out like never before. Now is the time. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Pour out your glory, Lord, upon us. Pour out your glory upon our families. Pour out your glory, Lord, in the workplace. Pour out your glory, Lord. We say yes to being your ambassadors. We say yes to being ministers of reconciliation. We say yes to the light of your face. Oh, may the Lord bless us. May the Lord keep us. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon us. May the Lord be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace. Amen and amen.